there was like a curse. Like we really believed we had a curse. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. On this week's episode, Aaron will be chatting with Matt Wilson, vocalist of Set Your Goals. Of course, Set Your Goals are a band that formed back in 2004 in San Francisco. They've released three full-length records over the years on Eulogy and Epitaph Records. And in this conversation, Aaron and Matt talk about things like Warp Tour, the progression and growth of the band over the years, as well as Matt's five favorite Set Your Goals songs and the stories behind them. Before we get into today's episode, though, Let's do some housekeeping. Go follow us on social media at Growing Punk Pod. Uh, you'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. And, uh, of course, the the band, their, all their socials and merch stuff, that's all linked in the show notes. Uh, if you want to go find us on Patreon, a couple bucks a month helps keep uh, the show rolling. We've got merch available as well. If you want to grab some T-shirts or a coffee mug or stickers, whatever, uh, you can find that linked in our show notes. And, of course, wherever you're listening to the podcast, rate it, review it, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. But let's get on with it. This is Aaron's interview with vocalist Matt Wilson of Set Your Goals. So I always like starting by asking, kind of, what was your first memory um, of discovering punk or hardcore? Uh, kind of, you know, was it a certain band or a show or an album? What uh, can you tell us about that? Uh, my first like exposure to punk or hardcore. Yeah, or like yeah, the, um, the first major thing that you remember kind of impacting you. Um, well, I live, you know, I. I've, I grew up in the Bay Area, so probably Lookout Records stuff, like uh, Green Day really put that label on the map, and, uh, you know, Dookie came out in, I think, 94, so probably Dookie, honestly. Yeah. Um, right around the same time, I, I remember I had my friend Brett, who I got into punk with, uh, he had, like, an older brother and, and his friends who would go to 924 Gilman Street, so, you know, I, we heard about that place through that, through them, and... Um, we went to a show just to go check it out, and I think it happened to be new band night. But, uh, you know, the Lookout Records scene at that time was just at its peak. I mean, we saw bands like Tilt, Mr. T Experience, um, Green Day, obviously. And then, you know, on the radio, there was stuff like The Offspring. And, uh, you know, punk was like kind of like fringe on the, uh, on the outskirts of the... the the mainstream world at that time it was it was like there but barely you know yeah but you know green day really green day and offspring really kind of changed all that yeah well that's cool i mean from being you know for you being close to that area and like experiencing it firsthand i mean like we kind of had similar memories with it but being so distant that's kind of crazy to think that you were kind of there during that time yeah it's, it's pretty wild it's like 25 plus years later now and you know outside lands is like the big festival in san francisco it's like the it's like their version of coachella or something and green day headlined it last night so yeah we're oh, still wow. at it yeah oh that's awesome yeah i got a few other kind of uh, fun questions here so the first is uh favorite warped tour memory oh man uh oh, man i'm so bad at like pinning down a single memory. I mean, War Tour is just so much fun. Uh, the The best part about it was just the end of the day when they would have the little after parties with all the bands and they'd set up little tents and, you know, they'd make little makeshift bars and everyone would just rage. And yeah. they'd be like, you know, they'd set up a PA and there'd be a barbecue and someone would be playing music. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard to pick out just one, but yeah, it yeah. was a lot of fun. 
Yeah, no, that's cool. Any kind of standout first like interaction with another band member or something where you were like, "Oh man, I can't believe like we're just hanging out." Um, there were a lot. Yeah, there were a lot of those because you know, I've, I've, no one's. What I like about Warp Tour is no one's kind of placed on a pedestal. Everyone's kind of equal. Yeah. And so if you're like the opening band playing, you know, at 10 a.m. or if you're one of the headliners, you're all just sort of doing the same stuff every day and and just letting it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's awesome. That's. I mean, a few few other musicians have have said that's a, a favorite memory. So that's uh, that's cool. That stands out. Uh, how about uh, the first experience or show that made you say, I think we've made it? Oh, man. Um, our first big tour probably was one of those moments. Um, we went on tour, I think it was Catch-22, Big D and the Kids Table, and Less Than Jake. Oh, nice. That was our first like House of blues size venue tour. Um, and it was, you know, it was really cool to just, get the sort of like crash course on how bigger tours worked from those guys. And, you know, they were really cool, cool to us. And, uh, and just to be exposed to such a bigger audience, you know? So yeah, yeah, for that sure. Was, that was really fun for us. And then, um, a couple other ones were, you know, going overseas for the first time, you know, we went to the UK and Europe in 07 and then I think Australia in 08. And, uh, you know, and then another big milestone was playing Reading and Leeds and mm. giving a name festival. Those were huge, huge festivals. Probably the biggest crowds we played to. You know, like ten thousand, twenty thousand people at a time. Yeah, which was wow. wild. Yeah, so maybe that yeah. really answers the next question of uh, the craziest experience you thought you'd never have as a band, either good or bad. Yeah, one of them was definitely playing "Give It a Name," and you know playing our song with uh the, the few that remain on stage with with Haley williams oh, yeah. and uh we're playing the twenty thousand people and there's all these cameramen all over the stage walking around and one of them trips over the the power cord and just <laughs> blows it during the biggest moment of our entire career <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> i think i think we had uh no stage sound for like half that half that song so that was cool <laughs> Oh, I guess it gives a lasting memory, even uh, though in the moment maybe it kind of ruined it. <laughs> yeah, the the industry term, uh, you know, lowest bidder wins is uh, really comes to mind there because these festivals they just hire the cheapest work they can, but it's not always the best. Yeah, the for best sure. help, the best you know <laughs> man for the job. So, yeah, How doing about, stuff like that, you know, tripping yeah. on the cords. How about a, a band you never got to tour with that you would have loved to? Hmm. Man, um, I used to think of them all the time when I was on tour, but now I can't. I'm just drawing a blank. Yeah, I mean, there's okay. obviously like huge bands that uh, that we always wanted to tour with, but they were just bigger that <laughs> we didn't. You know, they probably didn't even know who we were. Um, as far as bands that we could have that we didn't, um, there were a lot of. You know, I listened to a lot of our whole band listened to a lot of heavy music. Um, okay. Yeah heavy metal and stuff like that and there's tons of bands like that like we all love like dying fetus and and bands like that <laughs> you know cannibal corpse stuff like that and it's like obviously that would never make sense to tour right, with them yeah, but yeah. it would just be <laughs> so much fun we'd always wanted to tour with municipal waste but we only ever played a few festivals with them but you know we're we're friends with those guys and um anytime we we did get to play with them it was a blast like a, a proper tour would have been amazing yeah another one is like Crowbar is one of my favorite bands, and I know that my band would never, <laughs> never tour with them, but that would be surreal. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's a little challenging when you're, you know, if your influences are pretty broad, you know, but your band kind of fits into one, you know, subgenre or genre to kind of really branch out. Sometimes it probably just doesn't make sense, even though you're fans of that kind of music. But oh, it's cool you at least had, you know, some experiences like that. Um, the last one I yeah. have is uh, one standout person you were able to work with in some capacity. So it could have been a, a producer, a creative artist, a videographer, someone that comes to mind. And maybe there's, there's someone we'll touch on here, but yeah, if there's someone you have. Honestly, Chris Conley was really a big inspiration to tour with he just had such a cool approach to music and just the way you could tell he just genuinely loves music 
and enjoys himself and loves what he does. Like every night we would just, we'd buy them shots uh, and, and request our favorite Saves the Day songs. But um, it was really great to learn with him. Uh, he was just, like I said, he's just such a creative uh, inspiration. Yeah, yeah, no, awesome. Good uh, good response on that. So, yeah, let's get into, uh, so I had asked you to share five of your favorite uh, Set Your Goal songs, so we'll kind of go through them in uh, chronological order here. Uh, so the first album we'll touch on is Mutiny, which was released in 2006. Um, I always kind of like asking about the artwork and the title of albums, um, just if there's any kind of specific inspiration and uh, story behind that. Um, for that one, we just wanted it to fit the, the theme of the of the record. Um, I think I listed, I, I think I tried to pick a song from each release and just sort of did them in order, but there was no real order. So I'm glad you're, you're picking the order here of the, uh, of the favorites because it's really hard. Like I said before, it's really hard for me to do favorites. Um, the art for that was actually, we saw this tattoo artist who had done some stuff for something else Eulogy had made. And, okay. uh, we were like, who did that? we like that guy's art. Let's have him do our record. And John was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So, uh, it was, uh, I don't even remember the guy's name now, but he does great work. And if you look it up, I'm sure you can find him. He's in Florida and he tattooed at John from Eulogy's shop. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. That's how that came to be. Yeah. What do you remember about the creative process for this album? And you know, what was kind of going on for the band at that time? Um, well, as with pretty much everything we ever did, we were mostly unprepared uh, <laughs> going into the studio. And we did it with Barrett Jones in Seattle. I remember right as we got there, the like creeping death took over us and like half of us got sick, like oh, real no. sick. Like we had like severe sinus infections. I remember Mikey was like coughing up like, it was like blood or black stuff. It was gnarly. It was like a really bad cold or something. But and uh, Tim from the band Trial let us stay in his apartment while we were recorded. Uh, he was out of town or something, so we were there just infecting his whole apartment basically <laughs> for I want to say two weeks. We were there um, just uh, drinking a whole lot of tea. It was miserable and rainy the whole time, pretty much. Wow. Just doing whatever we could to not go crazy and stay warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was it was an experience I wouldn't trade for anything. Yeah. Barrett was so cool to work with. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Were you guys touring full-time already at this point, or were things just kind of ramping up, or were you hoping this album was going to kind of push you more into that direction? We were we were kind of like touring more than we expected to already. We had, we had so much hype from just putting our demo up online. I mean, bear in mind, this is like the time when, you know, message boards and MP3 hosting yeah. websites were fairly new. Yeah. And we were right at the brink of that. Like we put up our demo and it just exploded and people were like, play our city, play our city. And then we're like, Whoa, I guess we need a booking agent. You know, we were booking our own tours at that time. Okay. Um, and before you knew it, we had a label, a booking agent, and a manager all within a year. So it really snowballed quickly. And we were like, geez, I hope this is real and not just like, you know, kind of trendy hype that's just going to die in a year and no one's going to care about our band anymore. Yeah. And it, it did in a way, you know. Um, that is what happened with the hardcore crowd. But the hardcore crowd is pretty fickle. So um, all that happened was we kind of just outgrew that or rather grew into a bigger crowd, which was like, you know, the, the less than Jake kind of yeah. audiences where we'd start to see a lot more women at the shows, whereas before it had been primarily men. Uh, so that was interesting to just watch everything change like that and just kind of grow into this whole bigger scene of, of pop punk rather than just hardcore kids. Yeah. Their shows. yeah so, it was it was cool. It was a lot of a lot of growth. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so the the song that you picked off of this album is called "To Be Continued." This time we've got a first class motive. We should start. I wrote it long ago and never wrote it off. Try and we might don't end. Yeah. 
To me, this song carries a lot of what I think of when it comes to set your goals, you know, the catchy chorus, the riffs, the kind of change of pace and speed. Uh, why does this song stand out to you from this album? Um, I picked this one because not as much for the lyrics. I mean, I, I like the lyrics. I think we did a good job with them, but uh, I just think it's objectively the most well-written song on the album. Uh, I, I just really like the the guitar hook and just the way it's put together and I, I you know i credit that to jordan because he he writes the bulk of all the music in our band so uh yeah really knocked it out of the park with that one <laughs> yeah yeah no, that's awesome yeah so moving on uh the next album was this will be the death of us released in 2009 um again any insight on the artwork and title I, this is like one of my favorite album covers i love the the style of the artwork and, and just the imagery so what, what kind of inspired that as well as uh, the title for this album yeah we did too um as you can see we obviously are really into art and and would handpick all of the artists that worked on our albums and our merch and all that stuff so this one was this guy drew millward and uh we found him because we did a tour in the uk with gallows and fucked okay. up and a band called SSS. And uh, he basically, they they were really particular about their artwork too. So um, what is their record called that we did that tour? Gallery of Wolves or something? There was some really cool artwork on that record. And then they had, I forget that guy's name, but he's huge now. He's done like movie posters. And uh, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I mean, I've, I've met him in person and he's awesome and he does great work, but... He did a poster, and then every night of the tour, they had a different artist do a poster, oh, wow. and then they would like do a limited number of hand-screen posters. So we, we kept a, one from every show, and uh, Drew Millward did one of them, and we were like, man, this is like so trippy. It was like it was like a Mickey Mouse, but like psychedelic. Like he was dripping, okay. <laughs> and he had a bunch of like extra like face facial parts and all this stuff so we're like oh this looks so crazy like we got to contact this guy and we got a hold of him we're like please do our album cover so 
we told him all the elements we wanted in it, you know, all these symbols of death, and we had him put it together for us, and it's incredible. Like, I, I, he just totally nailed it. Yeah. Um, and it's, that's probably my favorite of any any Set Your Goals artwork that we've had made, mm. for sure. Yep. Yeah, and how about the uh, the title? The title uh, of the album? Yeah, any any kind of specific inspiration for that, or what was that kind of encompassing? Yeah, uh, that came about because we were at this point where things had really soured with Eulogy, and we knew if we put out another record with them, it was going to be the death of our band. So oh, okay. we were in this really weird place when we were recording that album, where we were like, man, we don't know what the future is going to hold for us, and we don't know if we're even going to survive it. So it was very literal. <laughs> so like, yeah, this very well could be the death of us. And, you know, our saving grace was Epitaph. You know, Brett came along and, and gave us a home and, and really took care of us. And, uh, you know, it, it, it gave that album the exposure and the love that I guess it needed. And it really flourished on, on Epitaph. So, we're very fortunate for that to have just kind of played out the way it did. Yeah, for sure. So how did uh, so how did Brett kind of you just hear about you from just touring and stuff? Because I remember, I remember seeing that and being really excited about that. I mean, that was like, you know, a, a massive thing. I'm sure that was a dream come true for you guys. So kind of how did that come about, and and how did it kind of change the, tra- it was, the trajectory of the band's career? Um, it was really cool. I believe he was connected with us through our manager. Uh, Keith Lasercheck. Uh, I think he reached out to them. He was just trying to find us a label that would pay Eulogy's ridiculous buyout price, <laughs> more or less. And uh, Epitaph had the funds, and Brett was really stoked on us. So we, we met with him, and it all just kind of came together. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so that, yeah, that must have really kind of changed, you know, the band's path forward, just having a label, you know, that had you know, the finances and, and all that to really back it, but also a label that was, you know, excited about you guys and to push you guys forward. I'm sure that, you know, impacted the tours and different opportunities you guys had. Definitely. So you guys recorded this one with uh, with Mike Green, who's worked with, you know, pretty much every band and kind of the punk scene. What was it like working with someone of, of that stature? And, you know, how did that um, bring about growth to the band? That was honestly exactly what we needed uh, he was to this day probably my favorite producer we've worked with um he's just so easy to work with and he understands music so well like we really liked what he did with um with paramore we really liked what he did with over it yeah. um and uh yeah he had just done a bunch of cool stuff and uh, our our only kind of gripe with with our first record mutiny was that uh you know, Barrett was like a grunge guy and we were like, well, we, we're coming from a punk rock background. Like we, we know how to do the rough around the edges kind of stuff. We want like someone to give us some perspective on, on the more polished stuff and the more traditional song structures and all, all the pop sensibility that, that maybe we want to add to the songs. Mm, so Mike yeah. Green provided that. And that was like the perfect pairing for what we were going for. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. He definitely did a great job. And, like, I even remember hearing it and be like, oh, man, like, you know, I could just tell it was a big step, a big step up, you know, in the, in the production and the songs. I mean, everything from the artwork and, you know, everything was really out there. Um, so coming off of, of Mutiny and, and that experience, yeah, we did too. what were you guys, you know, hoping to accomplish with this album? And, you know, did you feel like you achieved it? Yeah, I think we did. Um, like you said, it's the, we were we were going for the next step up, and and we we really achieved it, and uh, in every way, you know, like sonically and and production wise, and just uh, the, just the way the song sounded, um, as far as you know, pop structuring and all that stuff. So, yeah, we were we were looking to just kind of level up, and and we did. I think that was probably the best stuff we ever did. If I'm yeah. being honest. Did you feel quite a bit of pressure? Was the songwriting, you know, the creative process was yeah. it pretty natural or did you feel like, okay, like this is our kind of this is our chance, we've really gotta make it happen? Well, that was probably one of the most prepared situations we've had in the studio. Like we went in with the most written and it really showed. 
Um, I'm not going to say we were 100% ready because that's just not something we ever do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, we um, we were pretty we, – we put a lot of work into, like, you know, making sure the songs were almost there, and it really, it really paid off. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, from a fan's perspective, you guys were blowing up. You know, you're touring with all the heavy hitters at that time. You know, you were kind of all over, you know, you know, like alternative press and, and some of those, you know, bigger outlets. Um, what were kind of the, some of the standout moments, tours, or opportunities um, from that tour cycle and that album? Um, I would say all those, those festivals, you know, Reading and Leeds and Give It a Name and all that stuff. I think all that came about after that album. Oh, okay. Um, and then we got we got some pretty cool um, tour opportunities, and some were better fits than others. I mean, we did the Alternative Press Tour, which even though we were featured in that magazine quite a bit, it, it wasn't as much our crowd. You know, it was more like the the softer side of pop punk, or yeah. maybe like the more screamo side. Right. Um, and we were just kind of this whole other animal. <laughs> We didn't even really know how to categorize ourselves and neither did anyone else. Um, we just knew we were what we were. And, um, you know, so that got us other tours that were maybe a little more heavy or, you know, rougher edged. Yeah, maybe a bit <laughs> like more we got a, well we, we did a tour with Parkway Drive and yeah, it was I saw like, that. awesome. okay, this is a weird disconnect, you know, like we love them and, and they seem to love us, but the crowds there wasn't always the same connection with the crowd. And, you know, we, we did the same thing with, with anti-flag, you know, we did a, a tour with them and it was great. You know, I, I feel like we, we could do decently well on any tour, but, um, cause we would bring our own, our own fans out, but right. it was, uh, you know, some, sometimes there was just a big disconnect with the people who were going for the, the headlining act, but yeah. regardless, we made a lot, we made a lot of new fans everywhere we went. So that was cool. And I think, after that, yeah, we did the uh, the Paramore tour, which was huge as well. I was like the yeah, I bet it was called the Final Riot tour. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's it's a weird balance of bands touring with other bands because you're trying to, you know, put together a package that you know fans of bands are going to like. But certain bands mm-hmm. have very specific fan bases that maybe aren't as open to other bands. But, you know, you as as a musician, you don't always want to tour with the same type of band. So you're trying to branch out. And it's, it just seems like it's this funny battle between, you know, the actual bands putting together packages and the fans coming to the shows to see it. And uh, I imagine that can get kind of frustrating at times where it's like, okay, we want to tour with a heavy band. But then it changes the dynamic. It's like, well, the the band, you know, the fans of the heavy band aren't into the punk stuff or whatever, you know, a band like yeah. Anti Flag that's maybe a bit more political or you know whatever the kind of landscape of the music is. So it's, but I mean, yeah, all you can do is kind of just go out there and, like you said, make you know as many new fans as you can and kind of slowly build it up. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And it's like, you know, this will be the death of us. While it was probably our most political record it wasn't um, specifically political in a lot of ways, even if we touched on a lot of broader concepts. Um, and it was interesting touring with a band like anti-flag where, you know, all their songs are like very specifically political. Right. You can tell right away what it's about. Um, but it was cool to just go out with those guys and just see their perspective on, on things and, uh, and just get to know them because they're great dudes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so the song that you uh, picked every, up... Every tour kind of provided its own little little nuggets of, of, of wisdom for us. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It gives you an opportunity to kind of learn what works and what doesn't and what, what is worth pursuing, maybe if it, even if it seems like it's not working, but, you know, maybe you can kind of see, you know, far ahead enough that's like, you know what, this might be a challenge now, but I think it's really going to pay off, you know, in the future. And sometimes you just have to take those chances. Definitely, yeah. It's just everything's a learning experience at that stage. Yeah, yeah. So the song you picked off of this album is The Fallen. Fire! 
song is just so good. You know, I love the speed, the memorable lead guitars at the beginning, you know, the back and forth vocals. There's so much energy to this one, um, so it's not uh, hard to understand why you maybe picked this one. But yeah, anything specifically you wanted to uh, touch on about this song? Um, so that is part one of like a two-part kind of, for lack of a better word, fuck you to eulogy. <laughs> Things were okay. really bad between us and them, and they were just kind of, I mean, I wouldn't even say they. Like everyone there we loved, except John was just kind of like butting heads with, with Jordan pretty badly, and it got so bad that it was like, okay, he's just going to do things out of spite now. He, he's very clearly at this point never going to pay us anything in royalties. He still hasn't, you know? So we were at mm. this like standstill where we were like, man, what do we do? So once we were free from his clutches, we were like, all right, let's go write a couple songs about it. <laughs> so he was in a band called Morning Again and they had a, they had a record called The Fallen, The Few That Remain. Um, and uh, so that's why we titled those uh, okay. that way. And mm. both those songs are about that experience. Um and just kind of our, our thoughts on it all. So, yeah, but outside of that, the song itself, you know, just the music is probably my favorite song we ever made. So. Oh, wow. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The next, that's re- <laughs> yeah, the next release is burning at both ends released in 2011. Um, yeah. Get any insight on, on the title and the, the artwork. I mean, the artwork is a picture of you guys on the side of the road with a van that looks like it's uh, broken down. Yeah, we were really struggling at that point in time. Um, we faced a lot of hardships, especially with our van troubles. Um, it seemed like everywhere we went, it was like nothing. There was like a curse. Like we really believed we had a curse. And like it didn't matter if we took our van, rented one, you know, went overseas, had a bus. Every single vehicle we rode in like had problems, would break down, get flat tires, trailer would break just like you name it, like it would happen. We had, a, we had an engine explode at one point, like oh, wow. just pieces of it burst all over the place and just stuck into each other. And we just had to leave it on the side of the road. Like it was wild. I, I couldn't yeah, believe it. Crazy. So that's why we put, you know, the photo of us with a broken down van on the side of the road as the cover, because it was very, uh, very accurate. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like both we spent more time on the side of the road than we did on the road. Yeah. <laughs> so the title and the the cover are both very literal. Yeah, and we really did feel like we were burning the candle at both ends at that point. We were like just getting burnt out and frustrated. Yeah, like like just with touring and everything. Like, did you even really have that much time in yeah. between the last album no, tour cycle no, and this one? And yeah, wow. We, uh, we, I think at that point we were spending 10 months out of the year on the road. And yeah. when you do that, I mean, they, I've said this before in interviews, but they should really do like a long-term psychiatric study on what that does to people because mm. you get home and it's like, it's almost like you're a veteran from war and I'm not, I'm not downplaying war being a veteran anyway. Like I'm not comparing right, yeah, us yeah. to that, but I am saying that like, it might have the same effect on like your, your relationship with your family because you're just, you go home and it's like just another city and you, you have nothing, you have no connection with your family because you don't spend any time with them anymore. And they don't know what's going on with you and you don't know what's going on with them. And they have their life and their job and children and all that stuff. And you're just putting all that on pause to go on the road all year long. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really, it takes its toll. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And We're feeling those, it. It's one of those things that people, you know, can't really understand unless they do it. And it, and it sucks because, yeah. you know, for bands, like, that's the only way to really do it, at least back then. Maybe now it's a bit more feasible to not have to tour so much just with social media yeah. and stuff. But it's like, you know, you want to, you're basically trying to make your dreams come true. And the only way to do that is to kind of say goodbye to everything else that you love to pursue this one thing. And, you know, even though it, it changes your life, hopefully in good ways as well, it also, it does, you know, kind of taint some of those, you know, more normal life things. And so um, was there a reason why you didn't take kind of a break in between or was it just, you know, just to kind of keep things going? There was going just so and- much momentum at the time. It just didn't make sense. And there was a lot of pressure to do all these tours and it was it was hard to just turn some of it down, you know, and we did have to get to a point where we had to just turn a lot of stuff down. But um, yeah, I don't know. Touring touring ten months out of the year is not for everyone. 
for sure. Definitely not easy. <laughs> yeah. So with this album, you guys were recorded with uh, with Brian McTurnan, who you know was incredible. Again, has worked with pretty much every awesome band. Uh, what was your experience like working with him, and how did you get connected with him? It was trying on everyone involved. It was very mm-hmm. taxing. Um, it was really a struggle just because we were trying to juggle studio time between tours. On top of that, we were really unprepared going into the studio. We had very little written. Wow. Um, we went way over our, our time frame and way over budget. And, you know, it was just like a headache for everyone. And, and Brian was used to dealing with fans that behaved a lot more professionally. And, you know, we were just kind of used to being more professional, honestly. But, you know, we, we were just going through it at the time. And it was yeah. a real struggle to get that that album together and that's you know it kind of shows in the finished product because we basically had to frankenstein a whole bunch of stuff together and i think as a result the fans could tell you know they they could tell this didn't sound like traditional set your goals and uh not only was you know the songwriting a little different because we were kind of picking up the slack when uh when jordan wasn't um as present for a lot of the stuff the rest of the band was kind of more involved and we were kind of filling in all the gaps for, you know, the stuff that hadn't been written ahead of time. And and on top of that, you know, like I said before, we were, we were just going through it. We were really struggling. And I think that showed in the lyrics and the the overall theme of the record, you know, it's, it's a lot darker sounding and that's because we just weren't in the best place mentally either. So, um, you know, I'm still proud of that record and, and I'm proud of all the work we did and that we came out the other side with a finished product and we got it done and, uh, you know, we put so much hard work into it, but it's, uh, it's a little jumbled and in, even though we did the same kind of idea with this will be the death of us where every song has a different kind of vibe, that was more cohesive than burning at both ends. It, it just seemed more jumbled this time around. Mm. And, uh, and I feel that some of that is maybe like the order of the songs. I think okay. maybe if they had been arranged differently, it, uh, it may, maybe would have had a better flow to it, listening to it all the way through. But, uh, the other, the other side of that is just that it is what it is. And we had to, we had to make do with what we had. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, the song, uh, exit summer.
Um, you know, it feels very introspective lyrically, you know, looking back on memories that the bands had made. You know, I mean, you probably pretty much just kind of explained, you know, the meaning behind this song and what was inspiring it. But were you feeling like with, you know, with this song or with this album, like that things were kind of winding down or coming to an end? Or was it just a lot of different thoughts and emotions, you know, trying to make an album yeah, happen think- and not really... I think um, I, I picked that song because that musically is the first song we ever wrote. Um, Jordan and I wrote that in my garage, you know, when we were oh, wow. starting the band. And yeah. um, so we're like, oh, let's use that song. You know, we never we never used those riffs. And it's, it's you know, it's cool stuff. And we put it together. And, uh, yeah, I guess with This Will Be the Death of Us, we were a little more unsure of the future. But with, with Burning at Both Ends, it was more like, Oh, we don't have the best feeling about the future. Maybe this is the end. Maybe it is winding down. You know, so that kind of came out in those lyrics for sure. Yeah. So, so you're saying you wrote this song like before you like had gotten signed or like toured and all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we yeah, wrote it like around the time we wrote the demo. <laughs> yeah. So what in you know the song's kind of talking about you know like, when we look back, will we? You know, will we have these memories? Will we think this and that? So before you've even had those memories, how you, like, what's inspiring you to write something about something that hasn't even oh, really yeah, happened yeah. No, yet? We, you know? we, let me just clarify. We, we wrote the music, and oh, then we added okay, the I see. Later. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, that's a, that's a funny first song <laughs> to, like, look back on something that hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome that I was like, hey. That'd like, be a pretty pessimistic view. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that's no. that's awesome. Yeah, so uh, the last uh, two songs here. So um, one comes off of a two-song EP you guys released. I don't even know if it's an EP, but it's two songs um, in 2012. Tell me you don't, tell me you never went down there. I think you're good, I think you're good for a test. Tell me you don't, tell me you never went down there. I think you're good, I think you're good for a test. They were still there, you were a little bit lonely. I didn't think it could be you. Sides. The weather inside you interrogate Hard to wait until you and your force 
Um, so how did these um, songs come about? And was it just these two songs? Like, um, yeah, what's kind of the story behind this release? So that was great because that was probably the most prepared we've ever been going into the studio. And that's because we recorded those with Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory. Oh, and, nice. um, he just knows our band so well and he knows us as people so well. He knew what we needed and that really helped a lot. It went a long way. So he's like, no, no, no. Like before we start in the studio, you guys are going to have a finished song. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so we finished both songs before we went in and then we did pre-production for, I think maybe the first or second time ever, which is like what all real bands are supposed to do, but we're just like lazy <laughs> with writing and, uh, yeah, so that was good. It really, it really helped out a lot. Um, and it, the finished product was, you know, it really, it really shined for that reason. And, you know, we were coming off the kind of media backlash of burning at both ends, not being received as well as it could have. And <clears throat> this thing came out and it was like a digital EP and it was almost like a, like a bounce back in a way because, Epitaph had been kind of like, eh, well, you know, why don't you just do it digitally? And they were just kind of like not as invested in the band as they were in the beginning. Mm. And we were still, there was a lot of uncertainty there, but this really kind of gave it a breath of life. Um, and it was received really well by all, all of the news sites, honestly. Like they were like, oh, wow, you know, they still got it. And the, the songs got great reviews and we were really proud of how those turned out. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I just love that. That uh, that song, I, I think I'll walk it off is one of my top ten favorite set your old songs. So yeah. maybe top five. I, I just love the way it sounds. Yeah, that's yeah. I, I didn't even mention yeah. The song is called "I'll Walk It Off," so it's uh, one of two songs. Um, yeah, definitely these two songs are you know some of your strongest material to date. Um, what kind of inspired these these two specific songs? And with this, like, were you thinking okay, like maybe things can kind of ramp back up? you know, with, with a positive response or was it kind of like, let's go out on, on a high kind of thing? Yeah, we were kind of back in the mix. We were, we were touring pretty heavily again, you know, we, uh, and we had, we had a couple of songs that we were just like, Oh, let's get these out there to keep, keep momentum going. Cause some, some time had passed, but we didn't have enough for like a full record. So it was like, Chad came to us and was like, Hey, let's, let's record some music. And we're like, all right, you know, just, the timing was just right and it, it just fell into place. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, that's cool that you had someone like Chad, you know, just kind of championing, championing you guys and, uh, you know, maybe seeing something there that maybe you guys didn't even see. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's the case or not, but um, yeah, just to kind of have a peer oh, to be absolutely. like, Hey, like let's, let's get something going here. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah shout out to Chad. I, uh, <laughs> I actually went to the Newfound Glory show, like the tour that they're on right now, yeah. last week, and okay. B. Well was opening the tour, and yeah, B. Well yeah. is Brian McTernan's band, so it was yeah. cool to, to see both of them, and kind of just, it came full circle, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, yeah, then the last song um, is from uh, Reset Demo 10-Year Anniversary. It was released in 2014. Um, this is not a release that I'm super familiar with, so what can you kind of share about this release and why you chose to re-release these songs? Yeah, so this is uh, actually a, a good story. <clears throat> Reset was our demo. It's um, we put out we put out our five song demo, and we uh, we just sort of put it up online, like I said earlier, and it it really picked up a lot of steam pretty quickly. And that was when our friend Derek reached out, and he wanted to put it out on his hardcore label called Straight On, and uh, they had put out a band called Make Move and another band called The Warriors. And we did a ton of tours with The Warriors yeah. early on. And then The Warriors signed a Eulogy and they were like, right. oh, you guys, <laughs> you guys should talk to Eulogy, you know? So we ended up signing with Eulogy. Um, and what Eulogy said was, hey, we want to we wanna press your demo as like the Reset EP, or like, you know, as, as, the e as an EP. And so we're like, okay, cool. We'll call it Reset. We'll repackage it to, you know, put on had some new artwork and, and all that. So we did that. Um, and the stipulation was that with our contract with eulogy, they would do one full length. I think they wanted, yeah, they wanted us for two full lengths, which is why the buyout thing happened right. later on, but they also wanted reset, but they only had it for seven years. 
Oh, so once okay. that expired, we had regained rights. And so I started a label and I, I, I started a Kickstarter to, to fund it, uh, to fund our first release. And I was like, hey, check it out. We're going to regain the rights to this. Why don't we reap the benefits? So yeah, that's cool. I did all this. Yeah, I redid the whole packaging with all these old tour photos and did this deluxe die cut cover and glow in the dark vinyl and etched B side and all this crazy stuff. I just went all out with all the bells and whistles for the vinyl and uh, set up the pre order through Kickstarter. And um, yeah, that's that's how I launched my label, Calaveras Records. And uh, then I got it on all the streaming sites as the as the anniversary edition. Yeah, well, so that's, that's how that came to be. <laughs> so the song off of that you picked is Latch Key. this song stand out to you or what do you remember kind of about the creative process or, or writing this song um it was just my favorite song on our demo um it's about just being a latchkey kid coming home from school and your parents aren't home and just kind of dealing with that as a as a high schooler so uh yeah that's really all it's about Okay, yeah, well, that's that's awesome. I'm gonna have to go back and um, check that out. I I mean, until you had sent these songs, I'm not sure that I I knew that release was out. So it's yeah, and it's probably kind of cool to, you know, kind of after you've maybe reached the peak, you know, set your goals, and you know, I'm assuming like so when you released this um, uh, this ten year anniversary, like was set your goals like basically done at this point when you had decided to to release this. Um, I wouldn't say done, but we were definitely a lot less active. Okay. You know, we were kind of all working real jobs and kind of just picking and choosing tours here and there when we had time and festivals and stuff like that. But okay. we just kind of have the boat we're in now, you know, I, I wouldn't say we've closed the door. We, we always okay. want to leave it open, but, um, yeah. 
we go through phases where not everyone in the band is on board for tours or, or festival offers or anything. So it comes and goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's cool. And, and it, I'm sure that felt kind of like a breath of fresh air, just, you know, really going back to like kind of what, the days of the start of the band and putting, you know, a lot of time and effort um, into, you know, the creative process yeah. of releasing that, you know, just to kind of have that, like, okay, like, you know, maybe the bulk of set your goals is kind of done, but let's, you know, let's bring something back from the past and, you know, put some energy into that and just kind of have something cool for the fans. Yeah. If you ever get your, a chance to get your hands on one of those um, records, the uh, the ten inches. The packaging was really a trip down memory lane. It's got like a collage of all these old photos and really funny. Yeah, you know, <laughs> a lot of ridiculous stuff on there. Yeah, no, it's a cool cool thing to you know to collect. Um, so yeah, like in, in closing, I'd love to kind of touch base on what you're you're currently doing musically. I know you released some music last year with a new project called Near Dark. Uh, what can you share kind of about that? If you have anything coming up, um, yeah, anything like that would be awesome. Yeah, um, I'd say I guess in the middle of the pandemic, my old friend Eric, who whose band I used to go see when I was like in middle school and high school. Uh, he reached out to me and he was like, Hey man, like I'm, I'm doing this band with all my, my friends in upstate New York. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't have a singer yet. Do you want to, you want to check it out and see if you're into it? And I was like, sure. And he sent it over and I was like, yeah, this sounds right up my alley. So, um, yeah, I put, I put vocals down for the demo and then, uh, we recorded a, a second EP, which is coming out on August 19th. So in like oh, two awesome. weeks, Oh, definitely keep an eye um, for that. Yeah, we've been waiting forever because of you know because of COVID, all the the pressing plants are really delayed. But finally, coming out and pre-orders are up now. If you go to uh, Patient Zero Records, okay, uh, that they're they're putting it out, and yeah, I'm excited to have it see the light of day because I think we really stepped it up on this uh, the second release here. Yeah, yeah, it probably feels good to kind of get back in the saddle with music and just be creative. And I'm not sure what you've been up to the last, you know, number of years, but uh, I can imagine it's something you miss. And so to have something, something else to put, uh, you know, your gifts and abilities into is is life giving. Yeah, feels good to be making music for sure. Yeah, awesome. Well, Matt, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk and share today. And this is one that I had had Joe on. Uh, maybe a year and a half ago or something, talking about some of his favorite releases. And ever since then, um, I was like, man, I'd really love to do, you know, a specifically uh, Set Your Goals episode and, you know, a band that, that I, I loved and still love. And so thanks for sharing your, your heart and memories and all that kind of went into the band for, for so many years. Really appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Aaron. Yeah, appreciate it too. That was, that was a lot of fun.